When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. I'm back, sorry. Who's to say? Oh, you sound very relieved today, and I could hear that in your voice. Warning, this podcast may contain part two of Naki's life story and public speaking and content that some listeners may find offensive, but probably not. And if you're watching the non-YouTube video that T's not going to make, then I'm waving my arms around like a dickhead. <laughs> T, anything to add on that? See, they've already bashed you straight in. The, straight in. No, just a lot of credits. Mate, it's no fun if you're sad about it. Welcome to Seesaw Podcast. With your hosts, T, Cleves and Selena. Every week, bringing some much-needed balance and humour to brighten up what can sometimes be a dark disabled world. Welcome to Seesaw Podcast. <laughs> I hope you are all well. This is T speaking. T, do we need to give you a good pep talk? We've got, I mean, one, we've got one coming up very yeah, shortly. I know, I know. So, yes, part two with Naki. It's all about the TED Talks and his career. But not... As a massive banker. Not T's TED Talks. No, that's a good point. Not the TED Talks you all know and love. A different one that you may also know and love. Absolutely. And that... Other TED Talk had nothing to do with the fact that those those episodes did really well with the same naming convention of the much more popular seminar and talk. I think people liked them because it was only 10 minutes of you rather than half an hour. I can't help it. That comes naturally. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Sorry. Let's do quick blind news. I do apologise. Okay, yeah, quick blind news. I will go first. Two World War II veterans, that was hard to say, have recently celebrated their 100th birthday, and they are both blind. Blind from the war or blind now? That's a question. We're moving on. <sighs> any more for any more for news? Kind of. Go on. Is this the stuff that you saved from the other week? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know if it's official news or I don't know if it's newsworthy, but it's... It's information. The infomercial. <laughs> Cue the piano music. I feel like you're... <laughs> yeah, go on. Okay. So, blind guy sends video to Rishi Sunak telling him to keep guards on trains so he can keep his independence. Why? I did see this. and I, I know it's quick blind news and everything, but I've got so many questions about both those stories. Can I just ask a few, please? I know it's out of context, but... Can we do medium length blind news just for once? <laughs> okay, Let's start with a longer l- jingle though. <sighs> Fine. Da, 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 okay, <laughs> I like it. Anyway, okay. Let, let's just start with the most recent thing. It doesn't matter if you have a guard or not, unless it's an unmanned station. You kind of fucked. But if you're a a normal city or town or that kind of station. Rail assistance will be available, so they'll put you on a train and sit you down at the seat, right? And then when the... Oh, shit. No, no. Providing the train still does the 
announcements. You are now approaching Belvedere Station. Yep. There have to be automated announcements then, wouldn't there? You can't have the... Yeah, it's fine, but a lot of them are now. So Not on my brains, but anyway. Providing they've got that, you can get off the right place, right? I mean, Google. And then, also again, do. also at that station, someone comes and gets you off uh, the train. Yeah. Unless it's an unmanned station, then you need the guard. But again, uh, look, uh, mm, okay, yeah, that's that oh, is fair. To be honest, I just ask a member of the public sometimes if I can't figure out how to open a door. Yes, yeah. but also again, if you have rail assistance, normally they will tell a guard or the person at the other end that you're getting off, right? Unless it's unmanned. Unless it's unmanned, I appreciate that. But then, in which case, they'll tell the guard. And if there's no guard, then obviously it's not the case. But then, yeah, the public's your only option. Fine, throw some balls and ask around. I, I get it. It is an issue. But let's face it, unmanned stations are going to continue to be unmanned. I, If I'm rightly from what I read, this is to do with the uh, cut in staff and also strikes and various things like that. This isn't about getting new staff. This is about maintaining staff. Um, yeah, I didn't read anything. I just watched the video. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. T, let's go back to yours. What was yours? About the veterans turning 100. Yes. Blind due to war or not blind due to war? I only read the headline. Oh, God damn it. It's quite quick blind news. Why Why am no, I going that... to war? Do you know, that is fair. I'll hold my hand up to that. I didn't know it's going to be a quiz on it. Have you got quick blind news? Yeah. Yeah. You've forgotten it, haven't you? Look, I read something about some people going to um, a national bowling tournament in Australia, right, that are visually impaired. So that's pretty cool, right? No, it was bowls, bowls. Not, yeah, bowls. It was I bowls. I shut my mouth. You are correct. Another sport that I'd probably be good at, Selena. Right? Sure, give it a go. <laughs> not a Paralympic sport, though. But it was at the Commonwealth last year. Oh, okay. Right. What? You couldn't be a Paralympian by doing bowls. Oh wait, I, I'm confused. So it's like, did they have a Paralympic Commonwealth? They put some para events into the main Commonwealth, and that's how I went to the Commonwealth in 2014. Right. Also, I'd like to point out that these two people have the most bowls names ever. One's called Maurice Perry, and the other one's called Ron Homer. Love it. Have I Good luck to them. By this point, they will have done it and come home. Get on the show. We we have lift and we learn, yeah. Mm-hmm. We need more British people on. I heard that somewhere. Just from out there, I know the world number two singles bowls. Uh it's not a champion because he's only world number two. Um Silver medalist. Silver medalist. I know the silver medalist of men's singles bowls as well. And I could probably get him if we want. Yeah, I'm on the show. Flex. Do it. Yep. He used to be a dentist before he lost his sight. Wow. Oh, definitely get him on the show. He can fill us in. Oh. What time can you make the podcast? Two thirty. Should we move on? <laughs> quickly. Very, very quickly move on. Selena, it's been a while, and because it's more often that you're on here now, much to my chagrin and the comments I've had from you recently. Do you have any feedback? I have a little bit of feedback. 
welcome everyone to That don't impress me much Selena's segment on seesaw feedback including everything that we might have done wrong or done badly and the occasional thing that we might have actually done right That don't impress me So I haven't actually listened to our icons episode yet because well it literally only came out today when we were recording. However, I saw your advertising for it and you put in my condition on Twitter and on oh. Facebook, I believe. You probably just copied and pasted the same yep. information. But I had Norris disease, which now, is wrong. Now, what I'll say about that <laughs> is autocorrect that you didn't check. That is classic yep. tea. It's autocorrected and I didn't check. Oh, so thanks. Now everyone thinks I've got Norris disease. Let's be fair, it sounds <laughs> much cooler. Norris disease. Like Norris is no, I don't I don't see that. I see Norris as like an old man's name. Who plays bowls. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I've got an old man's disease. Great. So I do apologize. In my defense, I should be using a screen reader, which I don't. So why don't you just turn autocorrect off? Because I don't know how to do it. Settings. This this isn't Selena teaches T how to use an <laughs> iPhone hour. And especially that's the hour. bonus episode. Yeah. Oh, oh, that is also feedback I watched from you, Selena. Mm-hmm. Have you managed to sort your voiceover issues with Jamie Premium? Yeah, so I ended up going back to to Daniel, Bog Standard Daniel, who I, I used to use before and I've just got used to him and I've yeah, I think he's he sorted himself out a little bit on updates, so we're all right. Good. I, I use Irish Siri for all of my reading. I think said Irish then, like, as in, <laughs> I mean Irish, okay. Yes. Why? What, why do I use an Irish voice assistant? Yeah. You're against the Brits, right? I so. just like the accent, I bet, frankly. And it is the female version as well. Of course it is. Yeah. Voted sexiest accent. Quite a few years running, actually, Irish. Anyway. I wouldn't want another woman telling me what to do. Yeah, I, I kind of got that. So let's jump straight into part two. Straight in. Fucking hell. <laughs> 50 minutes later. <laughs> let's jump into this chat with Nappy. What year was it that you finished UCL? Oh, you're trying to calculate my age now, isn't it? It was 2016. Oh no! I did mention my age in my intro. Yeah, too. you've already told us that. Uh, yeah. Can you guys edit that and make yeah. it sound like I'm 25? <laughs> <laughs> the reason I asked. So a lot of people may know you for the TED talk that you've done. And was, uh, it actually, was it actually at UCL? Because yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. So this was literally shortly after arriving in the UK. So the TED talk was in December 2015, and I came in October 2015. 15, and for those of you who have an amazing attention to detail in my TED talk, I did say two weeks ago, I meant two months ago, that was a complete uh, slip of tongue in, in that TED talk. But yeah, this was two months after. So basically, when I came to UCL, they used to have a newsletter they used to go out to, to students and they had something about a TED talk. I'm like, oh my God, that, that'd be so cool. And I put in my application and, and then they called me for an interview. And I was like, yep, well, I'm definitely up for this. And it took about a month and a half of, of writing, rehearsing, etc. But it was one of the most scary, but one of the most amazing experiences as well. Just two months into my time in the UK, speaking in front of a thousand people live was just amazing, but bloody scary as well. How did you go about preparing for that? 
Firstly, so, how, did you, how did you decide on your speech? Was it just one of those things where you just talk about what you know? Yes and no. So I have done a little bit of speaking before. In fact, I did a TEDx talk at my first uni as well in 2011. And that was like one of my first experiences. And if you listen to that, you're like, oh my God, the guy had no voice modulation. The guy didn't even know how, how to talk. That was <laughs> so new to all of this. So I guess after that, I kind of did a bit more pub- public speaking and built a little, a little bit of experience in that field so with this one it was more like i knew i wanted to talk something regarding people achieving goals because that's something you hear all the time that people in in whatever shape or form face all sorts of obstacles and they're like how do i overcome that because that's not specific to disability it's literally for everything and i'm like that's a theme that hopefully everyone can resonate with and what the guys kind of told me when they were interviewing me they were like you need to bring your entire speech into one sentence what would that sentence be go away think about it come back to us in a week and that was that's one of the hardest things right because what, what you don't want is a talk with multiple messages because then things get lost and once i'd figured that one sentence out which i obviously don't remember now it was then just build, building the skeleton and then putting the flesh and the skin on top of that to kind of dress it up and i got a lot of feedback from the guys and one of the things interestingly which came at the end was where I asked the audience to say at the end, nothing is impossible. Three, three, that's something I literally, I think, came up that same morning. And I yeah. asked one of the guys, do you think it'd be worth trying it? And I don't think anyone was really sure. I'm like, I'll just give it a go and see how it goes. And actually, it turned out re- really well. Yeah. I didn't intend on doing it three times, but the audience just weren't saying it properly. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like in terms of accessibility, the actual stage and things around you? Did you have people helping you out? So the guy actually, because I'd worked with them, was super helpful. Like they'd ask me, what will you need? And we'd we'd work together. So backstage, there was always someone because there were other speakers as well. So we were all kind of chatting with each other. Not that I could chat chat much because I was so nervous. Luckily, I was the second speaker of the morning. So at least I knew my anxiety wouldn't last as long as the last speaker. But what we did in the rehearsal was they took me to the hall, I think, two weeks before the actual event so I could get an idea of how big it was. And then I don't know if pe- people can actually notice how it's an interesting question. I should, should ask someone who can um, see, see the YouTube link. I had a stick on the stage, which was kind of placed parallel or perpendicular rather to where the audience was sat. So I knew which way to face once I fell the stick with my feet. It was a wooden stick that was taped. Uh, someone took, took me on stage and took me off. It was just like once they positioned me in front of the uh, stick, I knew where I was. And then I didn't really move, move around. I'm not someone who moves around. When he was close to the ones, I almost uh, fell off a stage trying to do that. Like, not again. So they were pretty good in that sense. And I didn't really use any visual aids, like any PowerPoints and stuff. That really wasn't an issue. I tried the mic beforehand and all of that stuff. So I kind of knew logistics pretty okay. Pretty okay with just the audience interaction afterwards, which I had no idea about. But they were fabulous. Did you know how many people were watching at the time? Yeah, so they told, told me, I think that this hall accommodates about a thousand people and we're pretty pretty much fully sold. So I kind of knew where the numbers would be. And just walking in the hall, like the two weeks prior when I went, just to feel the grandeur in the hall without anyone there, I'm like, bloody hell, this is big. Yeah, it just felt really, really special and, and really. And the first TEDx talk I did in 2011 was just 300 people. So it was just, yeah, a huge jump from there. Oh, we smashed it. I watched it earlier. And it's really good. Oh, thank you. And it, it will be in the show notes. And I encourage oh, anyone, thank you. anyone listening, go go check it out. You say you were you were nervous, but it really didn't show. 
Yeah, I think that's the thing to say about nervousness, isn't it? Like you can never really get rid of nervousness. It's not a bad thing. You just need to learn how to how to manage it. So I still feel very nervous in terms of like you know I'm always fidgeting, I'm always moving around, etc. But as long as you can learn to manage it, I think the more you do, the better you get at it. Hopefully, if you do it in the right way, I just believe anyone can do it. You just need need to practice and have the motivation because when you try and do some something not just because you want that you know grandeur or because you want that accolade and stuff if you do do for a bigger cause i i genuinely believe that helps you know be it to try and inspire someone or to be it just to make someone else think in a different way and that for me is the biggest thing like if someone comes up to you afterwards and say you you really helped me think differently i think that is one of the loveliest loveliest things to hear a lot more nicer than hearing oh you're sweet, you're really good oh, you smoke well. How do you transition into work after that? So that is another interesting thing because obviously for you guys probably are aware that if you come to the UK as an international student, it's bloody hard because yep. you need to get a work visa. So normally a tier two. And at the time, rules have changed since 2020. I was kind of in the, in the middle where they had the crappiest rules. But during my time, once you finished your master's, you only had four months and then you had to leave the country and I was really scared and nervous because what i didn't realize is a lot of graduate schemes close a year before and i'm like i just got to the uk now how like how could i have known that that i need to apply so i was probably the most common visitor at our career services department once i finished my my master's i literally did everything i could in the library pretty much all day applying for jobs reading looking at which companies you know offer you a tier two visa etc and I almost became an immigration lawyer by the end of it. I knew pretty much every single, single rule. <laughs> I, I kind of knew what the process is, et cetera. And then I just applied left, right, and center. And as you can imagine, 99% of them came back and said, sorry, mate, you haven't got the right to work in the UK. But I knew that I, I needed to find something now because just to complicate things a little bit more for your listeners, there's something called the resident labor market test, which is basically a company normally has to advertise, I think, for 28 days to its UK population and then prove to the government that they could not find a suitable UK candidate, hence why they're hiring from abroad. But obviously, for a graduate, that doesn't really apply because you don't really expect people to have a certain level of experience. And the reason I had to apply while I was on my student visa is because students are exempt from that from the resident labor market test. So I would stand an equal chance in some ways compared to a UK candidate in that sense. Yeah. I was just desperate to get a tier two. And then I ended up getting two offers, luckily, at the same-ish time. One was with a software development company because I mainly applied for, well, engineering or professional services because that's what I wanted to do. And there was literally just one bank that I applied to. And that's the job I ended up with because two offers came at the same time. But for the first one, the UK Home Office said, we can't sponsor your visa. I think even though it's eligible, the job doesn't meet all the specifications Mm -hmm. and they are really strict about the criteria and stuff. So I had to end up going with a second option, which wasn't... The banking world and all that, I really don't know what to expect because I have no idea about banking. I don't know what this culture is going to be like. I, I don't know how good they're going to be, etc. But I don't have regrets. It's been five, five and a half years now. And uh, I've hopefully learned a, li- a little bit about banking. I luckily haven't been found out yet, so I think I'm doing all right. <laughs> That's what it is you actually do at the bank. You mean you, you joined luckily, you know, after the credit crunch thing and start to die down a little bit. So people are starting to like bankers again a little bit. Uh, well, I don't think I still like them. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting time to join because I joined in 2017. 
because most graduate schemes kind of close a year before even when I got my offer letter I couldn't start till August 20, 2017 so that's when I started and I've done lots of different things so in the grad scheme for two two years you do six month placements four of them so I did a role where we kind of looked at the culture in the bank from like a recognition performance management business planning perspective and a lot of that was driven by you know the, the 2008 crisis and kind of some of the practices in banks etc that was really interesting and then i did a bit, of, a bit around portfolio management i did business banking and then my last role in the grad scheme was a role around mortgages and i was kind of responsible for looking at the marketing colleague communications etc for a new product well a product that was re- relaunched with different conditions so it wasn't entirely new and then after that i was then because you aren't guaranteed a job at the end of it i then applied for different roles and ended up with something that was a bit closer to what I'd studied. So I, I became a digital product manager. So that was very short-lived. But then the digital department got merged with other bits and bobs. So kind of got disbanded in some ways, not because of me. And then I moved <laughs> into a role where we were looking at student propositions. So I looked after the app a little bit, after the overdrafts, and then our incentives. Then I moved on to my current role, which is my seventh different role in the last five and a half years. So you can see I definitely move around a lot. And that is in kind of looking after some customer journeys for delegated authority. So that looks after, for example, power of attorney, court of protection, those sorts of things. And one thing which has been really key for me in choosing what role I go for is the purpose behind it. And I don't know, that can kind of be cheesy and kind of be clear, but I genuinely mean that if I'm in a role where I don't feel fulfilled, where I don't feel I'm adding value or something that's aligned to my values. I really will not give it my 100% and won't enjoy it. Yeah. So coming to a role which you know involves people going through potentially a very difficult time, time in their lives and to then feel like you can make a difference feels much better, better than just trying to grow your profits based on interest or stuff like that. One thing I was going to ask you about is... Um, yeah. You've done a bit of marketing as well for the bank, right? In terms of making it more accessible. and I won't say I've done any sort of marketing as such, but what I have done is when I joined the bank, I felt like things weren't necessarily always very accessible. None of my team had worked with someone who was blind. So I then started to think about what can I do to influence some people within the bank? Because I knew there was an appetite to make things better. And my line manager was super, super, super supportive. We... And ended up writing about my experiences and ended up being the love to ramble on, as you can see now already. Ended up being 18 pages and I'm like, I need to speak to some senior leaders and tell them what they can do. So that then sparked kind of a chain reaction, really. And I got introduced to some people and then ended up in one of the employee networks, which is around disability, mental health and neurodiversity. And, you know, in the past, since the past five and a half years, I've been involved on a management committee for them. Kind of helped with lots of different initiatives. Some kind of that the network has come up with themselves. Some that I have come up with and kind of run start to finish. But that's really led to hopefully some positive change, not least from an attitudinal perspective, but also from making some of the systems more accessible. Th- thinking about you know workplace adjustments for colleagues in in general, and and it was an amazing amazing moment in 2018 because I got one of the Global Diversity Rising Star Awards from you know, potentially 80,000 employees, which was an amazing t- testimony to some of the work that I've done. So I still continue to do some of that. 
but probably not not as much as I was early on just because of I guess like the job demands etc but it, it is definitely something that's incredibly close to my heart and something I am really passionate about the reason I asked you about that is I think I seen a little video yep that was that <laughs> yeah. was made for interestingly the 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 award because and they tried to make it a bit like the Oscars so everyone who was nominated they made a short video and then they're like and the winner is <laughs> See, that's why made I a of that. potentially for a marketing thing because you right, see a lot of okay. adverts like that for banks now, don't you? Where they are, ah, no, this was this completely and... internal, it was completely okay. internal. I think they put it on YouTube, but no idea why. But it was meant to be an internal thing. People might le- like me to stalk you on that, so <laughs> <laughs> check out the show notes and then uh, everyone's listening can send uh, Naki maybe not a tweet. How much they love the uh. The awards, like the eternal award, but still, eight out of eighty thousand—that's amazing. Shows well, not everyone was nominated, obviously. I think they had like four hundred nominations, but still, yeah. I'll take that. That's it. Well, don't don't ever downplay your achievements because you know, I got uh, the Willy Wonka Award at work last year because <laughs> I was the only one who ever brought snacks into the office. <laughs> so yeah, and I I proudly had that on my desk. The award. <laughs> Just to be clear, because you bought snacks in, not because everyone thought you were a creepy old paedophile. Well, I, I assume it's the snack. Uh, is that why you bought the snacks in? <laughs> 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 oh, I've been busted. I've got to change job now. So, w- what a journey! I mean, just absolutely incredible. Like, and you, you've always had the it's stacked against you, and you just push through, persevered with support from you, your family, and. Like I said, can't knock any of the things you've earned yourself because you've done all the work and worked harder than anyone else to finish top, yeah, within your degree and even with the issues that come around with international students, which I hear of so often and persevered, found the way around the system, which is not the best and still got on your feet and and managed to get into a really, really good career and I mean, is engineering something you'd look to go back into? I've been asked this question a lot, and I guess the simple answer is no. And that's not because I don't love it. I still very much love it and miss it. But I think I left in 2016. When I say left, I mean I graduated in 2016. I didn't drop out for the record. So when I graduated in 2016, now it's 2023. I've worked five and a half years. If I go back to engineering, I literally have to start from the beginning. And I think that does not seem like a sensible thing when you've got so much experience. Because as I mentioned before, my master, I work for an engineering company for a couple of years as well. So I have got experience in the corporate world to then start from scratch, take a massive pay cut, potentially not find something in London. I'm not sure if it's worth it. Mm. I think moving forward, I still don't know what I want to do. I'm still trying to figure that out. But I would ideally like a combination potentially that that uses the business acumen that I've acquired plus some of the technical skills. Because yes, my technical skills might be a bit more rusty, like programming and all that stuff now. But once you've got the mindset, there's definitely you know lots that you can do with it, and it doesn't take a massive amount of time to kind of bring yourself up to speed. So yeah. I think that mindset of an engineer will always be there. Um, but I don't think I will go back into traditional engineering unless, obviously something changes right like in a few years time who knows like there might be an opportunity when i'm senior enough to join an engineering firm to help them with their management side of things and because then if you have that 
technical capability as well as the business acumen. I guess the world is your oyster to a certain extent. And you know, coming back to your earlier point as well around you know like overcoming all of these obstacles and stuff, I've I've definitely worked super hard and like you know giving it my my best. But I absolutely couldn't have done that with without the support of the most amazing people around me. And that's literally everyone from family to friends to kind of teachers and amazing people that I've met along the way who've, who've taken a risk. And, you know, some, sometimes when we are thinking about things in life or hiring so, someone, that risk question just comes into our head, oh, my God, is it worth it and stuff? And I would definitely tell people who are thinking about questions like these, man, sometimes it's, it's worth taking that risk because you never know what, you know, that's going to lead to and, you know, just having the most incredible and supportive parents throughout and my sister as well, who, who, you know, always has had a fair faith. I mean, despite not knowing what's like, what is the solution and stuff has just been amazing. Like, you know, I've talked about a lot about my mom focusing on the education and stuff, but my dad's just been incredible in terms of making me experience life in other facets. Like he used to, He's the one who kind of got me into sports. He's the one who used to take me and my sister out to theme parks all the time, kind of made, made sure that, you know, we enjoyed life and were able, able to do things the other side that kids could. And obviously that meant a lot more injury for me and all of that. But it definitely made me a lot more confident because I feel with a lot of this stuff, when you think about people who aren't doing things that they want, it's often to do with confidence rather than capability. Yeah. And once you put yourself out there, like when I came to the UK, the first time I was so scared. I'm like, how am I going to cope with this? Because, you know, I've never been to a country and, and just lived on my own. How am I going to learn all the routes and all that stuff? Yeah. But it all works out once you kind of willing to take those risks and hopefully have that confidence as well. So I think we've gone through your career. I think um, I, it's it, been very interesting, mate. I have to say it's been really, really interesting. And, you know, just my process of coming to the UK was, I would say, in many ways, miraculous because mm. my visa was refused twice. I think it was an element of, like, they don't often like certain nationalities and stuff. And I literally did everything right. My my university backed everything up. And then because I read literally all the regulation, I appealed after my second refusal. And I'm like, this is completely baseless. What you guys are doing to me is completely wrong. Yeah. And li- literally three weeks after that, I got a call from the embassy and they were like, yo, your visa's here. And I was like, if I didn't put that appeal in, my, my visa pro- probably wouldn't have come through. Yeah. And um, I literally got got to my uni an hour and a half before they were going to close for admissions for that year. Wow. And I was like, that could be nothing short, short of a miracle for me personally, because I I lost all hope by, by that point. Once I put in my appeal, I'm like, I've done my job. It's definitely not going to happen. Forget about it. And it bloody did. And we're back. <laughs> Great. I just took two takes and we've only done. <laughs> no, I cut the first Hundreds take. Of fucking shambles yet again from the three of us. <laughs> New seesaw, baby. New look. Right, we are we're devolving back to the, the, the child's park. I don't have a problem with that, in essence. <laughs> okay. Selena, you sign us off. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to Seesaw Podcast. Your feedback and comments mean a lot to us, so if you'd like to get in touch, you can do so in the following ways. 
can find us on Twitter at SeesawPod, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at SeesawPodcast. And you can also join us at SeesawPodcast.com. Remember to like, rate, review us and share us with a friend. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.